Hello and welcome to Men in Charge. I'm Kevin Decker. And I'm Tony Flynn. Here we're partway through season 11, our vestigial season. It's episode two and we're already exhausted. We're not far enough along. We're not far enough along. We thought after a week we'd be done. Mm -hmm. But... But this episode is one that we have gotten anticipatory calls about. The state Senate has been alerted. This episode is called 55 Nostrils. Yeah. So this is just kind of a damning reflection on medical studies, uh, if you think about it, because only in a medical study could a quantifier like 55 nostrils appear. It's not an even number of nostrils. Whose nostrils they are has been hidden by the double-blind peer review process. But it's uh, not a prime number. And perhaps that's another reason why we should be damning of the medical research process in America today. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I woke up on the wrong side of the slab. Well, you know, when I find I've rolled under my concrete bunk to the concrete floor, my uh, head wraps the concrete a few times, so I lose a sense of awareness of my surroundings. But 55 nostrils, I think you're right. There wouldn't be 55 nostrils on any creature. No, not really. Unless a medical study was published to be that way. Yeah, and that's a really good point that you make because one of the things that Hollywood filmmakers, and we should include them with the medical researchers in terms of kind of the damning focus of today's episode, they like to put multiple eyes on fantastic creatures, multiple legs. But some creatures need to breathe more, and I don't think they really take that into account. We never see a creature with 55 nostrils. Why not? I thought we were all about diversity. (laughs) That's an ongoing problem. But you know, when through CGI, a number of extra limbs are added, that does require greater and more frequent or more powerful respiration. So many of them are short, many nostrils. Yeah, they are. They're not believable is what you're saying. Yeah, they're, they're because, not credible yeah. extra creatures unless they have a multiplicity of nostrils. That's Like right. knuckle nostrils. Knuckle, when the fist right. is moving through the air, wouldn't that be a great opportunity to collect it a little oxygen? Great. It would be great. And you might even get a little bit of the opponent's sweat, which would allow your glands to analyze that and figure out their weak points. I don't know. <laughs> this is season 11, man. We don't need to make sense. No, we did that in sense. our self-congratulatory <laughs> season 10. If they pause to analyze the emotional, let's call it the temperature, emotional, psychological, and (laughs) cultural of the opponent, the opponent's got an edge because you pause to analyze. You say, wait, wait, don't swing at me with your razor blade tail. My knuckle nostrils are still still thinking about it. So maybe not... Maybe kickboxing for that person <laughs> instead <laughs> or of just, simple fisticuffs. Or just a rock. Yeah. <laughs> Throw a rock from a yeah. great distance, and then you can still have the air coming in through the knuckle nostrils. That's how most of our fans communicate with us, by the way, is by wrapping <laughs> messages in old Wendy's wrappers onto a brick. And that's the problem so, with yeah. Wendy's wrappers. They tear. Yeah. So before you know it, you can see it's a brick. You don't think, oh, someone's sending me yeah. a, a bag of Wendy's yeah. burgers. So we've rarely been struck several times in succession. So... I guess, should we talk about today's segments? I guess. Yeah. But really, I don't want to arise too far from my fainting couch. Yeah, I get And you're that. comfortable in your soiled rags over there, aren't you? Yeah, I'm kind of melted into the upholstery here. You're basically a stain on the upholstery. I am. That's I, what my mother I... said about me. <laughs> That's why they all left you early and <laughs> you found yourself on the doorstep at age 35 <laughs> in front of I was the, the library. I was the oldest orphan in Lower Heights. <laughs> (laughs) 
But you were, you were never really accepted. No, not even yet. <laughs> okay. Well, let's burst foolishly through our segments. First, we have a return to the faculty meeting at a school in Lower Heights. Right now, the faculty is trying to puzzle out how to deal with angry parents who don't want them to read books that would make the privileged white kids feel bad. And also, they don't think science should be taught mm-hmm. because knowledge. <laughs> yeah. So what are they going to do? They're going to talk to the football coach. The football coach has some advice here, and I think the football coach is going to end up calling some audibles. So then we have another contribution from our writer, Scott Herrick. It's the Antique Sideshow. And there's some pretty suspect currency conversion going on at the end. The guy who runs Antique Sideshow is a crook. Yeah. I mean, how do we know in the real Antiques shows that the hosts are being honest with their guests. I always thought they wouldn't. You can tell from the British accents. I'll give you, I'll give you two shillings for that <laughs> enormous postal column. <laughs> Even though that's no longer legal currency. <laughs> it's not. Because, again, it couldn't be divided by 10, like our great season 10. This is just 11. We're going to round out the program today with another chapter in the ongoing saga of RV Rapture. Chapter number five. That's right. And in this chapter, more problems surface for Fred and Margaret, former RV owners who now spend nights in hell camping with their RV around the Lake of Fire. And during the day, they have to drive around doing good deeds. But the main thing is God has moved them from an RV to an electric car, a little Mazda that... It's kind of cramped, especially if you have a flatulent shih tzu in the back. Fellow citizens, taxpayers, listeners, and ignorant hangers-on, have you ever wondered what happens when you drop off your children at school every morning on your way to work, the unemployment office, or the strip club? Join us now in the faculty room at the upper school of the Asa Threadbare Academy where the real work of the school is accomplished in faculty meetings. Okay, people, let's get down to brass tacks, shall we? I know this was an unscheduled meeting, but as you've all heard, the pitchforks and torches are coming down the street again, and we really need to figure some things out. It's a bit of an emergency. And Melody, welcome to our little gathering. Folks, as most of you already know, Melody Wart is the student rep for this year, and uh, we'll hopefully report back to the rest of the student body what we discussed here today, and hopefully some solutions that come out of this. Welcome aboard, Melody. Hi, Melody. So, Deanne, could you maybe just fill everyone in quickly about why you thought this emergency meeting was necessary? The context? Sorry, Margaret. But before Deanne takes off on her usual bender, who brought the nosh? We really need snacks at these meetings. Maybe someone's half sandwich? It's three o'clock. Low blood sugar, you know. I don't go off on benders, Mona. Mona, Deanne has the floor. And save the insults for the faculty restroom. Wow, I had no idea staff meetings were so much fun. This is great. You don't have to report every incident back to the student body, Melody. I'm just saying, without some nosh, I might just faint. Jeez, is she okay? She's fine. And don't help her up. It only encourages her. (coughs) 
I'm not that fine. His carpet smells like feet. Maybe if I get some of those deviled eggs out of the staff refrigerator, I'll feel restored. Uh, deviled eggs? Are you insane, Mona? Or do you just hate us? <sighs> Dwayne, could you please find something in the refrigerator or the cupboard, other than deviled eggs, for Mona to nosh on? My first faculty meeting ever. And you send me on a snack errand for a big faker like Mona? I'm a football coach, for gosh sake. I don't even know why I'm here yet. Well, you're closest to the door. I'd go, but I don't want to miss anything. Please, Dwayne. All right. DM. Well, as most of you know by now, we in English have been inundated yet again with complaints about our new reading list, which, I might remind everyone, we significantly revised after last year's brouhaha. That's right. It was the Mace Boys mom from last year who raised the big stinkeroo when she saw the reading list for the 11th graders. Remember her tirade that if we didn't get rid of not only Huck Finn, but Catcher in the Rye and Hiroshima, she, as she so neatly put it, said, We shall see you all in court if you insist on making our kids feel confused and sad. My dad says Catcher in the Rye was his all-time favorite book as a kid. You get extra credit for saying that, Melody. Thanks. And don't forget the Mace Kids mom also said those books were dangerous or unpatriotic. Whatever that means, my dad was in the Marines and he loved Huckleberry Finn. That's good, Melody, but you already received your extra credit for the Catcher in the Rye comment. And now, if I may, Mona... The parents are going after Beloved. And anything by Margaret Atwood. You know, that Canadian loony left-wing commie socialist who also happens to be a genius. But you guys in English aren't alone in all this. All of a sudden, we in social studies are being told the same thing. Some of the white parents are saying we can't teach that Washington and Jefferson enslaved people. That it makes their kids feel bad about being white. And the science faculty have been getting a lot of heat because they teach, well, science. So, folks, what do you think? We have to come up with something that works here, that, you know, provides us with some flexibility in what we teach, short of throwing out stuff every time some parents get their noses in a snit. What's a snit? And my dad really was in the Marines. Here, Mona. Ritz crackers and Cool Whip. Perfect. Thanks, Dwayne. Just hand him on down. Doesn't this carpet ever get cleaned? So what I miss? Parents on a rant, followed up with the usual death threats? I just hate the death threats. You're probably wondering what a football coach knows about Huck Finn. And the answer is, I never saw the movie, so nothing. But, seems to me what everyone needs here is an offensive line coach. Sorry, I, uh, I don't... Look, teaching. Just like in football, a lot of times the unexpected happens. You know, the defense throws a 3-4 at you when you're looking for the short pass to the inside. The old coach has to think fast. Sorry, Dwayne, what's a 3-4 exactly? Yeah, yeah, it's when... Look, what I'm trying to say is, you gotta think on your feet. If the other team throws you a look you're not ready for, what do you do? Call an audible. That's what... An edible? see where you're going with this, Twain. No, you don't. Mona, I said audible. It means you change the play at the line of scrimmage, on the fly. 
as the offensive line, you have to adjust, people. Like Darwin, it's a metaphor. What, no extra credit, even for that? Anybody have the slightest idea what a 3-4 is? Look, in football, some of the most important members of any team are called offensive line coaches. They're the ones who teach the team, when they have the ball, to quickly adjust to what the other team is doing. And do it on a dime. In seconds. If you want to throw a certain pass to a certain guy, but he's double covered, you need to change plans, like yesterday, and pass it to the guy who's open. What in heaven's name does this have to do with- Oh, I see. When somebody complains about a book kids are assigned to read, the teacher should have a backup plan all ready to go. That is exactly right. That's what I've been saying. Oh. Huh. I think I see. So, if a parent calls in complaining about a book, or say a particular poem, instead of changing the entire curriculum... You just, what? Get rid of the offensive line, right? Or book? Bingo. Look. Let's say a teacher sees her phone light up sometime during a free period and some yahoo is complaining about, you know, how the Civil War makes white people look bad. What should the teacher do? Worry about it? No way. Well, she can't call the football coach. But she could call the academic offensive line coach if she had one. But we don't exactly have anyone who, well, you know. My point exactly. Look, you get this threatening phone call because you're teaching... I don't know. Knowledge. Do you change the entire lesson plan? No. Your offensive line coach tells you to throw a Hail Mary deep into Leviticus. Just say. The offensive line coach saves the day. I mean, who's going to complain about Leviticus? Especially these days. You mean Leviticus? When the Israelites had to learn how to behave in front of the Holy Tabernacle? Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Who taught you that, Melody? Um... I did. Sorry. Well, that is an idea. As in, no one to hold him, no one to fold him. Caulfield, that is. We get it, Mr. Sidewall. I've got it. How about this? We just tell these parents we're going back to making the students of color confused and ashamed. Oh, what? That's That's a very bad audible, Mona. I know, but it's not my fault. This cool whip turned a long time ago. Well, you've all been really, really something, but I still think we have a direction to go in now. Dwayne, can you stay on just a minute? Maybe you know of some offensive line coaches looking for a job? Some large ones? But one more thing, when's that next safety meeting again? Anyone? People? Somebody call an audible! This portion of Men in Charge is brought to you this week by all the fine folks down at Antique Sideshow. And here to fill us in is none other than Linnell Tubes himself. 
host and project coordinator of Lower Heights' first nationally syndicated black and white TV show featuring local treasures and hidden goodies from basements and attics throughout the Lower Heights listening area. So, Linnell, tell us how it works. Oh, howdy, howdy. Well, let's see. Unlike that other antique and perhaps at this point better known TV show involving antiques, we go a step or two further. And how's that? Well, once our family of experts has carefully examined your object or objects and revealed just uh, what you've got there in your glistening little paws, we not only tell you what you've got there, but maybe more importantly, we give you an on-the-spot, immediate cash offer. Well, that is different. Those other folks just tell you what it might be worth and how much to insure it for. You guys actually offer to buy whatever it is right then and there? Cash on the barrel head. Exactly. Let's see. I think we have a guest right here in the studio. You are... Well, hello, everyone out there. Where do I look? I don't see the camera. Oh, anywhere is fine, Tilly. This is radio. Folks, this is Tilly Broadbreath from right here in Lower Heights. And so, Tilly, what, what did you bring in to show our audience today? Well, well, this here was my great-grandmother's favorite painting. I believe she bought it on her first and only trip to Paris back around 1910 or so. Oh, my, yes. It's a lovely landscape. For those who have trouble seeing it on the radio, it, it looks like the original frame. Very nice. And on the back... Let's see. Oh, yes, it says something, something 1904, probably in French, which makes sense, doesn't it? Any idea who painted it? Well, it, it's signed. Let's see. Maybe if I look very closely, let me get my magnifying loop loop here. Uh, well, I can I can make out a Camille something, maybe a Camille Fizarro, or maybe that's a Ferraro. It's kind of faded. Anyway, it appears to be from the right period. You say your great-grandmother was in Paris in 1910 or so? That's right. Oh, you've, you've got something here, no doubt. And even if we can't identify the artist, we can say for sure it's a fine example of an impressionistic landscape, no matter who painted it. And as I said, the frame is no doubt original to that period. Any idea what it might be worth? Oh, oh well, none whatsoever. My great-grandmother, though she never had any money, did have great taste. And I've enjoyed having the painting in my home for nearly 40 years now. So it's kind of a sentimental piece, I hear you saying. Oh, my, yes. Well, considering its age and condition, let's see. Really, it's such a lovely frame. Let's see now. Ready for a pleasant surprise? Oh, my, yes! Well, since you're part of our first season... We can add an extra, oh, I, I don't know, maybe 15%. So that would work out to, let's see, give me a second. Oh, my goodness. This is so exciting. We can offer you, let's see now, how does 47,500 Turkish lira sound? Well, you've got to be kidding. You said 47,000? That's right. I must say your great-grandmother had really excellent taste in art. Well... 
she was a dabbler. Well, that's some dabbling. So let's see here. That's 47,544 Turkish lira. Let's convert that to U.S. dollars. Let's see here. At today's rate, we are prepared to offer you exactly, let's see. But hey, you can probably do the conversion to dollars yourself, right? Turkish lira? Um, actually, no. Okay, then. Are you ready? It's $1.67, and, and that's with no questions asked. Really? Only $1.67? Remember, that's no questions asked. And that's all the time we have today for Antique Sideshow. Join us again soon when we take our expert antique crew into local attics and basements, never knowing exactly who's going to thank us later for bringing us into your lovely homes with all those memories and treasures that surround each of us here in the Lower Heights listening area. What would it be worth in rubles? Just asking. You're listening to Men in Charge, the only radio show that refuses to hire Russian trolls to smear our opponents on the dark web. Well, folks, it's been another busy day up here in heaven. That's right. You remember me. I'm St. Peter. When it comes to the Lord's work, there's not much I don't know. And the Lord's work is work, all right. I'm always busy processing new souls, implementing policy, supervising the angel project teams. Let's not forget the special assignments. In fact, I'm late for a meeting now, a report on my most recent cost-benefit analysis of the Dynamax angels. Hmm. If you're interested, why not come along? Greetings, my son. I have been eager for the latest figures. But who are these people? This is a closed-door meeting. Oh, it's okay, Lord. They listen to public radio. But do they donate? Thoughtful commentary doesn't come cheap. Well, I, I haven't vetted every single one, but... But I'm sure they would not want to disappoint me, would they? No, 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 no. Right, Lord. Let's... Take a look at those figures. You remember Margaret and Fred, the Dynamax angels? Their RV was raptured downwards. Yeah, folks, it's a thing now. As punishment for their gas-guzzling lifestyle. Before you get upset, Lord, lifestyle is Margaret's word, not mine. We nicked them for using the word lifestyle, too, I hope. Well, Lord, our deal with Satan means that Fred and Margaret have to do good deeds during the day, and at night they have to park their RV around his lake of fire. I've taken the tour, and let me tell you, Lord, the amenities aren't much. Margaret has complained. Complained? To Satan? Yep, and their little dog bit the Lord of Darkness on the hoof. A shitza, if I recall correctly. Let's make sure one of his puppies wins at Westminster next year. But what about Fred and Margaret? Give me the numbers on their good deeds. Well, Lord, they've been doing at least one good deed a day, sometimes two. Their year-to-date average is 1.29 good deeds every 24 hours. Not bad, not bad. 
And they're driving the Dynamax Force HD. That's right, Lord. What's the mileage on that thing? Well, the manufacturer says it's 10 miles per gallon, but it's really more like nine or eight in the mountains. (gasps) What? What? What are we doing fooling around with the end users when we should be going after the manufacturers? But okay, okay for now. We'll save them for later. How far are Fred and Margaret driving each day? Well, uh, according to my records, it looks like they've been averaging 237 miles a day. So, at 9 miles per gallon, that's 26.33 gallons per day. And if they average 1.29 good deeds per day... They use 20.41 gallons per deed? That's fossil fuel we're talking here. Fossil fuel! Fred and Margaret are going to burn through half a brontosaurus before we know it. Uh, There was no such animal, Lord. I can never remember. Let's stick to the mileage problem. What would you have me do, oh Lord? I think it's time to go electric. Gotta hear from Margaret on this one. Lo, I have crunched the mighty numbers. Fred and Margaret are hereby commanded to go electric. You, St. Peter, must tell them of my holy plan. Yes, Lord. Well, folks, this is not going to be an easy one. Maybe I'll arrange an incident so I just have to tell Fred. Damn, Arvie! Damn broken fuel line. Damn empty gas tank. Damn it. You know, Fred, that's not the kind of talk we like to hear. St. Peter? Okay, okay, but there are issues. We're out of gas. Margaret and Bitsy had to stay with the RV. Here I am slogging along with a gas can to the next off-ramp. You'd think that an RV on heavenly missions would not have this kind of maintenance problem. Fred, Fred. You can put down the gas can, because you're going to go electric. A Mazda MX-30. Electric? And not even a Tesla? What about amenities? Square footage? Margaret's not going to like this. Your dog is pretty small. God has crunched the numbers, and, well, it's time for you to tell Margaret that it's a done deal. I have to tell Margaret? Wait a minute! So you're the one behind the broken fuel line? You didn't want to be the one to tell Margaret, so you fiddled with the fuel line to get me out here by myself? Oh, let's not get too wrapped up in the details, Fred. Instead, let's think of your great new echo-conscious future. Ah, jeez. Well, I guess the sins of our gas-guzzling past have caught up with us. But since we're going electric, Maybe we could get one night a week off from camping around the lake of fire? Uh, let me see what kind of deal I can cut with the Lord. Kevin, even though... I'd really just like to lie down with an elderly cigar. I'm going to thank the cast. We have Scott Herrick, Jody Stewart-Strobelt, Ann Porter, Kevin Decker, Tony Flynn, Nancy Roth, 
Maureen Hager, Steve Loy, and Miranda Lloyd. We'd also like to thank The Bad Plus for our theme music, Seven Minute Mind, and the writers, Scott Herrick and Ann Porter, because again, we couldn't be bothered. And uh, I could barely be bothered to finish with our thanks, but we would like to express appreciation to the architects of the shadow parliament of the new Antwerp, Carrie Boyce, Nancy Roth, Nisha Schramm, Vern Windham, and Savannah Esty, as well as the man who built an Epcot Center, trademark, putt-putt golf course over a real golf course near his home, Brian Lindsay. 